Well, good morning. Happy resurrected morning. He is resurrected indeed. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I to say the least, last week or this last this week has been a tough week. Our my brother and my uh, my dad, my sister, our mom passed away on Sunday. That was on Palm Sunday, and uh, we put her to rest on Friday, which was Good Friday. And today's resurrected uh, Sunday. This morning I got a cup of coffee and I went out to the gravesite, and I uh, just got there. And I didn't think it was going to be the time of the day, but there's this big sun coming up right from the east, right over her grave. And I was thinking, you know, just like the sun is rising today, one day she will rise and your loved ones will rise. But I want to just tell you, you never know how much you need a church and love a church and a family than when something like this happens in your life. Y'all have been so loving, so many good, kind words, uh, flowers, cards, gifts to Planet Kids. Uh, as far as, you know, we said in lieu of flowers, you could give to Planet Kids. So many of you just blessed us, and our family wants to say thank you very, very much, very much. And today we want to talk about on this Easter morning why we glory in the cross. This morning this cross was just a bare cross, but at the end of the first service... The people there toward the end of the service will give you an opportunity to celebrate and glory in the cross. And you'll be allowed to come up and get a flower and, and put it on the cross. And uh, I put one today that was from the funeral in honor of my mom. And, uh, but it's it just a great time of celebration to me. I want to start off today and I, I want to uh, say that Paul in the scriptures, he said... That, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and unto the world. Galatians 6 and 14. You know, there's a lot of things that Paul could have glorified or gloried in. He could have gloried in Christ himself, and he did at times. And that was the heart of Paul, to glory in Christ. Uh, he could have gloried, but he said he gloried the more in the cross of Christ, uh, which was in the eyes of men the lowest and the cruelest of tortures and death. It was an awful thing to die on a tree. It was considered anybody that would die on a tree was an awful person and cursed were they. But Paul changed all that. and He said we need to learn to glory in the cross. Paul could have gloried in the incarnation or the birth of Christ. Some of us really get all wired up about Christmas and all the gifts and the gift giving, and it's a lot of fun. But my friend, if you're going to glory, don't just glory in his birth. You, it don't stop there. If he would have just been born and wouldn't have went to that cross, we'd all have died, and we've been, uh, uh, we would have went to a place called hell. Uh, the, the birth is great that he came, and he become our Emmanuel, God with us. That's powerful. But it took him going to the cross, shedding his blood for our sins. So Paul could have gloried in the incarnation because angels did. Angels sang of it. Wise men came from afar to bow down at the, the newborn child. Not, uh, you know, did not the newborn king awake to the song from heaven, singing glory to God in the highest. 
He might have gloried in the life of Christ because never a man there was that was like Christ. No man had ever lived like he lived, lived without sin, walked on water, raised the dead, opened blinded eyes, healed the lame, all the things he did. And, you know, and all that he was, he could have gloried in the very life of Christ, but that was not the glory of Paul. He, he might have gloried uh, even in the uh, resurrection of Christ because today we celebrate the resurrection and that is glorious to glory. But if he would have been, been resurrected, if he would have died some other way, but he would have even been resurrected like Lazarus was resurrected or resuscitated, you might say, but he wouldn't have went to the cross and shed his blood, we would all still be lost. So Paul, he held that back and he said, I glory in the cross. I glory in the cross. The world, great hope concerning those that are asleep is in the resurrected. We're, it's great to know that our loved ones that have gone before us will rise from the grave one day because of the resurrection. But they will not get to go to heaven if it wasn't for that cross. He might have gloried in the Lord's ascension because when he ascended out of that grave, he died on Friday, he went down to the very pits of hell and he led captivity captive and all the followers gloried in his victorious uh, uh, ascension. We, he said we might could glory in the second event, Jesus coming back again. One day there's going to be a trumpet blowed and uh, when that trumpet uh, blows... The dead in Christ are going to rise, and we which are remain shall be caught up in the air with him. He could have gloried in that. It's something to, to shout about. The early church was going through such tribulation. They would go around and they would greet each other with Maranatha. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. So when you've got a dark day, when things are not going good, you can rejoice because Jesus is going to come back and take you out of this sin-cursed world. You know... We've been going through Genesis and Exodus from the very time that man failed. God wanted to be in relationship with us. But when man failed, our sin separated us from God. God said, this is not going to work. I'm not going to let my children, the people that are made in my likeness, I will not stand for them not to be able to come into my presence. And he said, I will cause there to be a seed of a woman that will come forth one day and he will bruise Satan's head and he will lead captivity captive. And you know, when Jesus come up out of the grave, not just him, but a lot of people from the Old Testament, people in Jerusalem saw some of their loved ones that had been dead for many, many years came up out of the grave and they were walking around in Jerusalem. Over 5,000, over 500 people witnessed personally seeing Jesus after that he had arose. The disciples, if they, anybody thought it was a fake, the disciples all died a cruel death because they believed in the resurrection of Jesus. They would have not done that if it would have been fake. But in all that Paul put together, in all that Paul said, Paul said the main thing that he gloried in. He gloried in the cross. It's the highest glory of our holy religion. Because a religion without a cross is worthless. Paul said if Jesus didn't die on the cross and he was not resurrected, then our religion is in vain. Paul said when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. You may say, well, I was just invited here. I don't normally come. I come because a family member or my sweetheart or my, my guy or my girl is here. And I come because my mama wanted me to or my my dad wanted me to. That's okay. 
You're, we're honored to have you. There's nobody today that has any special privilege to be here. Because we see we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all are unworthy of that man, Jesus, dying on the cross for us. We none deserve that, but he died for us all. So whether you've sinned very little in life, you may be deceived, but you may feel like you've sinned very little. He died for you. But when you say, well, I broke all the Ten Commandments, and I've done everything you can imagine, and, and I, I'm a horrible person, really. I don't even know why I'm here today. I want you to know Christ died for you just the same as he died for the most righteous person on earth. He died for us all because we're all sinners. We were all in need of a Savior. You know, even as Christ began to develop a way that we could partially come back into his presence, and he made the tabernacle, and he had the gate there, and there was only one way in, and Jesus is the only way in. And there was the outer courts, and then the holies, and then the most holy place. There was a big uh, veil between uh, the, the people and going in the holy of holies. Only a priest once a year could go in and offer the blood on the mercy suit where there's two angels uh, were sculptured there. And the blood was put on the mercy seat. And that all that stuff is done. The priest could go there and offer that. And it was for the remissions of the people's sin for one year. There was thousands and thousands, possibly millions of lambs that was offered from the beginning of time until Jesus Christ come. All that they did would not allow them access into the presence of God. They could never really get into the presence of God. They could never have that uh, just be inhabited by the presence of God like they did when, when finally, you know, Jesus broke down that middle wall of petition. He said, we've all come short of the glory, that, that wall that separated man because of their sin from the glory and the presence of God. They could see it there, but they couldn't experience it. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, it said that that petition was ripped from top to bottom. And it was something only he could have done because it was a massive, they said a team of horses to the right and left could have not have tore that, 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 uh, that great veil that separated man from God. But Jesus' blood, one drop of Jesus' blood washed all our sins away. He restored us back to a place that we're redeemed. God does not look at our sin anymore. He looks at the blood of Jesus Christ and he goes, that's acceptable. When Jesus died on the cross, he went to heaven and he presented his own blood as the final sacrifice. See, on the cross, he said it is finished. It's a, it's a legal term, a business term. It means paid in full. What is paid in full? Our the, the cost, the remission of our sins. The remission of our sins. Nobody will ever go to heaven now because of sin. Or go to hell today because of sin. He said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but I come in the world that you might have abundant life. So we're all on even ground today because of the cross. From the uttermost to the guttermost, the cross made the difference. We glory in the cross today. We glory in that beautiful cross. Paul said, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. There's a great minister named S.M. Lockridge. You know, in, in your life, 
they call it the foolishness of preaching. Men get up here and yell and scream about the good things in the Bible. They call it foolishness. At S.M. Lockridge was a black minister, African-American minister, and he had two, two sermons over his lifetime that just would never go away. One is, that's my king, and the other one was, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And I'm telling you, when you get a title like that, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming, you don't even have to preach to say that a hundred times. That's it. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I want you to hear this man, this great three minutes of this sermon as they play it right now. And you'll get a feel what Friday must have been like. It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's asleeping. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scarlet. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. See Jesus walking to Calvary. His blood dripping. His body stumbling. And his spirit's burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning. And evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my Savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my Savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved. But they don't know. It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. He's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying. Can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The earth trembles. The sky grows dark. My king yields his spirit. It's Friday. Hope is lost. Death has won. Sin has conquered. And Satan's just a laughing. 
It's Friday. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place. But it's Friday. It is only Friday. Sunday is a coming. How many can thank God for Sunday? Amen. We're victorious because of Sunday. I like to, he told you about Friday. I want to tell you about Sunday today. In Luke 24, the first verse, it said, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices. That was the first mention of the Spice Girls. <laughs> they had prepared and went to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they wondering, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood be beside them. Now we know that to be angels. And their fright, and the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? Here's what he said. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners to be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. You know, there's just some days in our life Sometimes we get the breath knocked out of us on Friday. We have some hardships, some hurts, some difficulties. We find ourselves somewhere between Friday and somewhere between Sunday. It's during those times that it's so difficult to try to have hope. Because see, Silent Saturday, Silent Saturday is where some people are today. You've prayed about certain things and you haven't got an answer yet. You've got offended by someone and you had not ever got it straightened out yet. You may be hurt at your mom or your dad or your brother or sister and you just can't find the grace to forgive or to make things right and be a family again. You wonder, is God angry with me? Is there a God even in the world did I disappoint God? Does God hate me? But I want you to know, even in your Saturdays, God knows what you're going through. God knows Jesus is in the tomb. Jesus is in the tomb. And they may be wondering, his disciples were hiding away. Only one disciple went to the grave, went to the crucifixion, and that was John. And, and, and Jesus, right before he died, he said, John, behold your mother. In other words, he said, take care of my mama. Even in his pain and his agony and his humanity, he said, God, take care of my mama. Or John, take care of my mama. I don't know where all the other disciples were. Maybe they figured, well, you know, they're killing him. If we were around, they may just grab us and put us on a cross and kill all of us. And John said, well, I'm going anyway. 
I don't care if they kill me. I'm going, you know, I'm John the Beloved. I'm the one that Jesus loved the most. Or that's the way he felt anyway. There's some of you in here, you feel like your mom's favorite. Like Teresa Breeding, she says she's the favorite child. Uh, but Sherry said, no, it's her. <laughs> and Jimmy knew it was him. <laughs> I mean, every one of them feel that way. Joanne makes everybody feel that way. That they're the favorite. But you know, God knows what you're going through. God knows that sometimes your career is in the tank. Your finances is in the pit. God knows that sometimes your marriage is in a mess. And you wonder, why, God? Why don't you act on this? What are you supposed to do during those times? Sometimes we don't understand when Jesus was in the grave. It appeared nothing was going on. They rolled the stone. What they did not know, that when Jesus was put in the tomb, he went down and he liberated hell. <laughs> he preached the sermon to those that had been cursed and bound and he came forth victorious he led captivity captive and they said the whole city was filled with people that had died in the past and that had been raised with Jesus Christ over 500 people saw Jesus personally the people that knew him before saw Jesus after the resurrected and the disciples eventually died and was tortured because they believed in Jesus you know, Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. I wish I could tell you that I've never had a problem. Like this old man and woman come to church, and this woman come, and her and her husband, you could tell they'd been fighting. They were kind of crying, and <clears throat> the lady leaned over, and she said, what's wrong? She said, well, we had a little spat before church. And she goes, the husband goes, well, I'll just tell you, me and my wife, we've never had a problem. And his wife said, yeah, and you've never had a solution. <laughs> If you never had a problem, you'd not have a solution. I'm telling you, if sometimes we have to walk that road between Friday, that, that Saturday road, that Saturday the disciples talking about, you know, didn't our hearts burn within us? Didn't it burn within us when we were with, just, with Jesus? And sometimes we have to put ourselves in remembrance of what life is all about. You know, uh, something I was going to say at my mom's funeral, she never did really... Now, she had hoped to leave us an inheritance. She hoped she would win the lottery. She thought she would won the publishing clearinghouse. But I loved her stories because she always thought if she won, she was going to do this for me and give David a little bit, Deanna a little bit. Now, she's going to do stuff for She wanted to take the whole family on a vacation. She had a whole list of stuff she was going to do if she truly did win the publishing clearinghouse. But you know what she don't know? We love our mom, whether she ever won or not. She birthed us into this world. And, you know, she brought us in. She could have took us out, and she never did. <laughs> we deserved it a bunch of times. But, you know, the other thing is, my mom didn't leave an inheritance to us. But, you know, people leave an inheritance to someone. But, you know, what she did leave is a legacy. A legacy is what you leave in someone. You know, and in this world, you may not have much. Jesus didn't come. This world is not where your inheritance. I tell people that work in the ministry, you know, you know you're not going to make a lot of money in the ministry. But I'm going to tell you, 
your inheritance is out of this world. And I mean literally out of this world. It's not in this world. It's out of this world. When Jesus come, there's gold in everything. But I'm going to tell you what, the greatest day of your life is the day that you recognize Jesus died for you on that cross. And that's the greatest inheritance. And that's the greatest way for you to be, leave a legacy. Don't work so hard. We work way too hard in America. Don't work so hard at trying to get people to be pleased with you. But work very hard at leaving a legacy to your children that that cross made the difference. No matter how many hardships they have in life, that cross makes the difference. You will be left the greatest of all. But if you leave your kids with everything that they could imagine in this earth, houses and homes and cars and boats, but you haven't told them about the cross, you have left them nothing. You've left them nothing. Leave them the legacy of knowing Jesus Christ. Leave them that special thing. So today I want to very quickly finish up by giving you this this acrostic of the word Easter. You might want to write this down and keep this. But the E to me reminds me of Emmanuel. That God would not put up with us not having his presence. He would not stand for us not to be able to be, have us come. It wasn't adequate for one priest once a year to come in the presence of God. He wanted everybody, whosoever will. He said, you know, you know, Friday, I was so tired. We'd done the whole funeral thing, and we'd went back out to the grave, and we just got home, and I looked down, and it was about 30 minutes before they were going to start the worship thing here, the worship night on Friday night, on this good Friday. And I told Sharon, I said, you know, Sharon, I said, I'm going to go to that. I said, I'm tired. I don't even know if I can stand up and worship, but I'm going to go to that because these people have been working all week for helping us with the funeral they've been here day in and day out they've been sacrificing and the least i can do is get up and go down there and just sit back there and watch them worship and uh sharon goes well i'm gonna go too and we we didn't even really dress up we just come on down here and we sat back there and we were sitting back there and we couldn't sit long i'm telling you the presence of god was in this place you know, we got a bunch of Baptists. We got 23 different backgrounds of people in this church. Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, all that. We're a big, messed up bunch. We got some sinners here, too. <laughs> They're hanging out. They don't know what God's going to get them. God's already got them here, but they just ain't yielded yet. They've got just as much a right to sit in that seat as any of us. Their blood, the blood's already been shed for them, just like us. The good news is, He died for you, too. There's a place for you in heaven too. Just believe in Jesus and you're ready. But you know, we got back there and they got us singing. Oh my God, we, it was, I mean, tears were flowing. People were rejoicing. I thought we'd got into some kind of Pentecost church here for a minute, dear. Uh, which that's my heritage and I didn't have no problem with that. But can you imagine Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. He said, always re be reminded, when you think the world's against you, you just get two or three people together. He said, you'll find I'm right there in your midst. There's nothing separating you from you coming to me any day uh, of the time of the day or the night. When you just call out my name, I'm the close as the mention of my name. I'll be there for you. I'm telling you, he, he's been there for us. You never know on your Saturdays, 
of life. That's when you recognize how much you need Jesus, how much you need his body, how much you need the church, how much you need friends, how much you need families. That's the reminder that God is near. Emmanuel, God is with us. A reminds me of the atonement because of the cross. You can break that atonement down to at one meant, at, at one meant, or at one with. Because of Jesus Christ, we can once again be at one with Christ. We can be at one with Christ. You can, you can now call him my father, which art in heaven. He's your father too. He's already died for you too. And I like the, the S. It reminds me that we're saved. Like I said, from the guttermost to the uttermost, we're saved. Not partly saved, not halfway saved, we're saved. You can put a period behind it. It's done. It's finished. It's done. God has saved you. Another, you could use the S for son, the sonship of God. He says, now you are the sons and the daughters of God. And because of Jesus Christ, you're brothers and sisters. If you've had a rough family life, let me be your brother. Let some of these others be your sister. Let some of the older ones be your fathers and the mothers. Because God has made us a family. Sometimes our earthly family don't work out too good. But the, this heavenly family, this godly family, we need to be there for one another. And y'all have been there so many times for me. The next thing is truth. You know, in Numbers 23 and 19 says, God is not man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it and shall he not do it? Has he spoken and shall he not make it good? I dare you to ever find a promise that God specifically promised to you that he would not do. I had a minister one time look at me. I had speech impediment, and this minister prayed for me, and I was healed. He said, one day you're going to share and preach the gospel just like me. And I remember I got to first grade, and the schools were overcrowded. And so they said a certain amount of students, we're going to have to put them across the street at this Baptist church. We're going to rent some space from them. There's only one condition. Uh, if you have any problem with it, you will take you out of that class. But uh, there's a licensed teacher over there. There's a missionary, and uh, that will be your teacher. So here I am in a public school being taught by a godly missionary. And man, all our pictures and all our stories was about mission and God and everything else. So, you know, I failed first grade, so I don't know how good she did. <laughs> but boy, I, I, I got a legacy. I got a, a learning in Christ. So when I got over and got to do first grade again, I would do a picture. She said, well, I want you to you know, draw a picture for art or whatever. And my favorite picture was always to do three crosses. And I'd make the middle cross red. And I'd make the one cross here to the right, I'd make it white. And one over here to the left would be black. The teacher said, what does all that stand for? I said, Jesus died on the cross and his blood run down that cross. And the one on the right over, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your paradise. And he said, today, not tomorrow, but today, you will be with me in paradise. See, we don't understand sometimes the day that our loved ones draw their last breath. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Almighty God. That moment, that very second. And so that white cross stood that he accepted Jesus Christ. And this other one is the, the man cursed Jesus and he died. Lost without God. It's our choice. We can choose to say, God, remember me, and you will be in paradise today. Or you can choose to walk out this door and say, I don't want anything to do with him. But my friend, whether you do or you don't, he died for you too. 
He shed his blood for you too. He, he's got a place for you in heaven too. But that's the truth. And I'm telling you, he says in his scripture, I, for I know the plans I, I have for you, this, this declares the Lord, plans to give you hope and a future, Jeremiah 29 and 11. And he does. And when we, get, when we get saved, it's just as if we had never sinned. We're restored back to that regime. God only sees us as holy. He only sees us as righteous. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but it's in Christ Jesus. He only sees Jesus Christ. We used to do this little flannel graph thing when we worked in children's ministry. And there was this school, and they had a, a problem. It was a one-room schoolhouse, and they had a problem there. They, a bunch of bullies kept running off the teachers. So this one teacher came, and he had an idea. He said, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to let you decide what rules we're going to have in this school. And so tell me what kind of rule you think we need. And they said, well, no stealing. They said, uh, no, you know, no, no bullying, no lying. And they wrote up the rules. And he goes, is that all the rules you want? And they said, yeah. Well, he said, we're going to have rules. What are you going to do if somebody in this class don't care anything about your rules? And they just break them. And the kids go, I tell you what, if somebody breaks one of my rules, I think they need to be brought up to the front of the classes, class and they need to, get, they need to be whipped with, a, with a, a, a belt across their back, you know, 10 lashes without their coat on. And I'm thinking, the teacher's thinking, man, their, their rules and their, their uh, you know, uh, punishments a lot more than I would have said. And so that's what they did. They kept it up on the board all the time and everything went good until one day this guy, he was the biggest guy in the class, his lunch, big old Tom, his lunch come up missing. He said, teacher, somebody stole my lunch out from my desk. And so the teacher said, well, we got to get down to the bottom of this because somebody's done broke one of your rules. So they began to look from desk to desk to desk and they found the empty lunch box in little Jimmy's desk. They brought Jimmy to the front and said, Jimmy, you know the rules. You need to take your coat off. It's ten lashes across the back for stealing. And little Jimmy began to cry, and he began to say, but you don't understand. My dad's a drunk. He's beat my mom, and he's run off. We don't have no food in the house, and I was just so hungry. I was so hungry, I just saw it there, and I took it, and I'm sorry. And so the teacher said, well, that's the rules, and you should have asked us for the food. And he didn't want to go on with it, but he told him to come up to the front. He come up to the front, and about that time, Tom, big Tom, that it was his lunch, he come running to the front. He said, no, no, let Jimmy go back to his seat. I'll take Jimmy's whipping for him. We used to show that flannel graph and kids could finally understand what Jesus did for us. We're the ones that sinned. It wasn't his sin. It wasn't his debt. It was ours. But rather than see us be separated eternally from him, Jesus comes from heaven barreling in like big Tom and he says, no, no, God, I'll take their whipping for them. I'll take the spear in their side for them. I'll take their crown of thorns for them. I'll take their death for them. And God, I know you're not going to leave me in the grave. You'll bring me forth. But 
legally. And because you're a righteous God, the cost and the penalty of sin will be paid for. And he did that. He died for each one of us. And now we live just as if we'd never sinned because the penalty has been paid in full. The E stands for eternal life. The moment you say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment that you trust Jesus with your life, you begin eternal life. You begin eternal life. You have an eternal spirit in you. You know, when we die, our body, we're going to get a new body. My mom's body was wore out, broken down, had her leg cut off, and her foot. You don't even want that body anymore, but praise God, she's going to get a new body. A resurrected body. There won't be nothing wrong with it. But we get a new body, but we, eternal life starts now. Bob said, these things are written that you might know you have presently, right now, have eternal life. It's a fact. It's a truth. You know, one of the things when Jesus was hanging on the cross, that understanding that Jesus died, that we may be reconnected with him through the Spirit, and that we could forever be in the presence of God, now and forever, Jesus said, he said, he said, he was going to say, it's paid for, it's done, and into my, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Did you know that that happens for all of us as well? That that very same thing happens for us? Jesus said, my, my sheep, they, they listen to me and they know my voice. And in Luke 10 and, and or John 10 and 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand, just like they sung about. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. And I and the Father are one. I wish we could get the good news out that your salvation is paid for. You don't have to work and labor to be saved. All you got to do is believe. That brings us to the resurrection. If we die before he comes in the clouds of glory, that somebody will lay our body to rest, but our spirit goes to that place in the Father's hands, and nobody can ever pluck us out of his hands. And we will get a new body. We'll be resurrected, and the dead in Christ will be resurrected first, and then those which remain will be caught up in the air with the Lord forever. To be with him. Folks, that's going to be a day to rejoice about. That's, that's a great day. You know, the only day greater than that is possibly when your loved one passes and their spirit gets to go first. This one old lady, she wrote her own obituary and she goes, Well, I know none of my friends are here because they decided to beat me to the pearly gates. She lived to be 90-something years old. The older you live, the less of your friends will be there. <laughs> but she wrote her own obituary. But thank God for the resurrection. But the resurrection wouldn't mean nothing without the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something, a true story, and they can play something if they want real soft. I want to tell you this. It's a true story. When Britain, they were in war, Napoleon was coming into Waterloo, and Britain knew that if they lost the battle at Waterloo, Britain was going to be forever in captivity. 
They were going to be forever. They were going to get killed or be taken prisoner. And so they had these signal people that would be on top of different high places, cliffs or building, and they would give these signals and they would let people know how the battle was going in Waterloo. Because the people had to be prepared. They either had to be ready to run or hide or they're fixing to die or be taken captive. And so on the edge of the town there in London, they had a big old billboard, true story. And they had red paint and they were prepared to write if they won or not. Because, and so the people were literally out there waiting and watching and in terror and, and fear. And so they saw these words, Wellington. Wellington was the, the captain of the British army. It said, Wellington defeated. But what you don't know, though, if you've read much about London, you know there has the what? The London fog. And the fog and the confusion and all that was going on, the smoke and the battles. And, but it had rose up. The town was out there crying, Oh my God, oh my God, our great leader Wellington has been defeated. We're all going to die. We're all going to be taken captive. It's horrible. It's horrible. But after a little while, as the sun come up brighter, they saw the rest of the story. And it said, Wellington defeated Napoleon. And so they ran in the streets and they were shouting and they were rejoicing and they're having a gloriful time. It was wonderful. It's like that in life about the time you think your life is done, you're, you're done, your marriage is done, you're, you, every, all your existence is no good, and you think it's, you're defeated. About that time you realize that's not the end of the story. And you know, another time this happened, there was a time on Friday Jesus was put to death on a cross. The devil thought he had won. He didn't know that God was using the devil to forever purchase our salvation on the glorious cross. God used the devil to win the battle. <laughs> Go ahead, devil. <laughs> it's like the bear rabbit. You know, throw me in the briar patch. You know, Go ahead and crucify me. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I dare you to do it. Because Jesus knew. When the evil hearts of men put Jesus on the cross, it was just what he wanted. Nobody took his life. He could have called a legion of angels and took him and rescued him in any moment. He willfully went to that cross to die for you. But the devils and the demons and the Pharisees and the, the people that were grinning and those that were sinning and all of that, they were rejoicing. But when the fog cleared a couple of days later, it wasn't Jesus defeated, but it's Jesus defeated death. And Paul goes, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, or, oh, grave where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? We're all saved through Jesus Christ today. And to praise God, we're set free. We thank God. We glory in that wonderful cross. I wear a cross around my neck. I want to be reminded, but I glory in that cross. It purchased my salvation. And we glory in that instrument of death that was cruel. And you were cursed if you died upon it. But we should have been there, but Jesus took our place.